Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy, and what a massive day it's been for the Melbourne Football Club. A once-in-a-generation player leaves the club whilst we welcome a few new faces. Uh, we'll talk about all that and a little bit more um, later uh, tonight because shortly we'll bring you our interview with outgoing Melbourne Football Club CEO Peter Jackson. But first, I'll introduce you to my co-host, Grape Viney, and see how he's coping with the news of Jesse Hogan leaving. Good evening, Grape Viney. How are you? Uh, I'm a little bit heartbroken, um, to be truthful, Andy. Um, Head says the Hogan deal is okay. Um, I like what we've uh, brought in, and I think it makes the team stronger. But, uh, uh, yeah, can't help but feel a little sad to see the back of Jesse um, after six years at the club. Um, a lot of goals and uh, a lot of promise um, uh, about what was to come. So, um, yeah, big day, as you said. Yeah, it's going to be hard uh, seeing Jesse in a uh, Fremantle jumper, I must say. Um, but uh, you know what? Um, there's not much we can do about that, and we're going to talk about that trade and all the other trades a bit later on. Uh, Demonland's tech guru, Nasher will be joining us uh, a little bit later in the show to help us uh, wrap up the trade week. Um, if you would like to join our program later tonight, and um, you can, I really would love it if people would call in and give their thoughts on all the trades. Uh, we'll be going through them one by one. Uh, you can call us on 0390163666 or Skype us at Demonland31. I'll give you those numbers a bit later on when we're ready to take calls after the Peter interview. Um, if you're listening to the show live, you can join us in our chat room where you can ask questions or post comments, and you can do that by heading over to demonland.com slash podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, later on uh, via SoundCloud on demonland.com or via iTunes or an Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe um, to the show and you can receive updates when a new show drops. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash demonland31, Twitter at demonland, Instagram at demonland31, or just search for demonland podcast on YouTube and listen to all the other interviews that we have conducted. Uh, or join us on DeanLand.com at the forum and you can chat with other D's fans and argue about trades till the cows come home. Um, but I think what we'll do now, we'll go straight to our uh, pre-recorded uh, interview that we did with uh, Peter the other day. Um, so here goes. Uh, Peter, welcome to the Demonland podcast. Thanks for your time. Uh, congratulations on the retirement. You said at the BNF that a, a good CEO knows the right time to hand over the reins. Um, why are you pulling up stumps now, and how tempting was it to stay on a little bit longer, given that we're so close to going all the way? Oh, look, I, I think I'm sure it was the right time. Uh, no doubt about that. I mean, I'm uh, people don't believe how old I am, which I'm privileged to say, but uh, I'm, I'm 66 next February, and I think you've got to be, you know, young for this game, younger for this game, and uh, I think it's uh, important to know when when the right time is, when to hand over. It, football's not a, a a job as such; it's a way of life, and it's uh, sort of seven days. It take it defines everything of who you are. So you, you've got to be, you've got to know you can do it all that time. Uh, so I think that's the first step. Um, the second step is waiting for a premiership. I mean, the, these things aren't easy. This game's a really tough game, and you've seen. You know, we really hope that the team will go on next year, but uh, whether they go on and then perform on the day, all sorts of things can happen. You can't hang around 
making decisions about leadership based on hoping to hold up a premiership cup. I mean, you get just as much uh, uh, enjoyment and satisfaction sitting in the grandstand watching them win it as uh, actually standing there holding it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty clear about that. Fair enough. Uh, Peter, you came to the club at its lowest ebb at a time when the likes of Jeff Kennett were calling for us to be relocated to Tassie. Uh, what would have happened if this latest rebuild had failed and was there an existential threat to the club at the time? Uh, yeah, look, I, I think it was fair to say the club was at a very low ebb. I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't there for very long before I worked out that I didn't think it was, you know, a real threat. I thought it just needed some straightening up into some certain positions. I mean, one of the most important thing I noticed when I got there, and I've said this publicly on a few occasions, you know, you, you walk into an organisation, you want you want your people to be your very best. And if you looked around the organisation, we didn't have uh, key people in, in in key roles that had success around an AFL environment and knew what a success was. So we had to had to bring people in. And the, the thing about bringing in a guy like Paul Ruse, he was never going to make the, the difference on the field in the time frame that he was going to be there. But what he did was he offered a lot of uh, stability and time and hope, you know, supporters like yourselves, if Paul Ruse is there and you believe he's trying, he's doing his best, his reputation is such that you know he's going to um, do all the right things. And if, if, it, if the thing takes longer to to work with someone like Paul there, then you, you then you start to understand that, uh, well, you know, this is a bit of a rebuild that's got to happen. It's not something that can be fixed overnight. And then what also happens is you get people like that then others get attracted to your club. So you gradually build up the numbers of very good people who know what AFL football is all about. And, and if you look through the football department, the football club now, you can see the place is full of those sort of people. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think behind all of that as well, you could see that there was a commercial opportunity. You just weren't getting the best out of the out of the numbers. Uh, people had, had deserted the club, which is fair enough under the circumstances of poor performance. So we got the footy team back playing, and uh, we did made some decent commercial decisions. I never thought the club was was in threat, but I could understand how supporters uh, looking from the outside might have thought that. Uh, Peter, we've made steady year-on-year progress up the ladder uh, since you took over, but there were plenty of hiccups along the way. Did you ever have real doubts that it might not come together or, or think to yourself, what have I got myself into here? Because some of those no, never. No, I can honestly, I can honestly say never. And I, and I think that I, I talked to someone on media last week and uh, yeah, I think people need to understand what's involved in, in getting a club and I know Melbourne supporters are frustrated because, you know, there was rebuild and then there was a rebuild and then there was a rebuild. So I get that part of it, but I can only talk about the rebuild that I was involved with. I can't talk about others. But I, I was talking to someone on the media last week and, and you know, talk, AFL talking about giving priority picks to some clubs that aren't performing now, to my mind, is just a Band-Aid solution. It doesn't solve anything in the, in the longer term. Um, the, the, these things take a minimum of five years to turn around because you've got to, as I just said, you've got to get the right people into the club and then they've got to build the right list and then you've got to develop. And that list is going to come in the main from the draft, not from senior established players. So then you've got to develop those kids. First of all, you've got to get the right ones, then you've got to develop them. And so I think it's absolutely extraordinary uh, what the club's achieved in, in a five-year period in terms of putting the list together and then developing them, which I did say at the best and fairest. And 
Um, but people have to understand clubs take that long. There's no short-term solutions. There's no silver bullets or whatever other cliche you want to use. It's a long haul. And, and you, you look to the long term, you don't get worried about the hiccups as you describe them because that, that happens in footy. When you've been around footy this long, you, you know that hiccups are on the way and they happen all the time. But it's, it's the long term you've got to keep your, your focus on. And I never had any doubt about that. Uh, Paul Ruse was a crucial piece of the puzzle on the road back to respectability. Uh, at the time you persuaded him to sign on, he was adamant that he wouldn't coach again. Uh, who else was on the shortlist and how important was Ruse's um, imprimatur in terms of giving the team and the club the breathing space to get it right uh, because a less senior coach wouldn't have been given the same latitude by the media? No, that's exactly right. I think what Paul did was in, was bought some time. I mean... He came in when, when we'd won two games and his first year we'd won four. If you think about, for example, having put Simon Goodwin in then and we won four games, everybody would be, well, what's going on here? You know, mm. Because people didn't understand, quite understand how the depth of the challenge it was facing with a, with a player rebuild. So you know, if Paul, with his uh, reputation in Pramater, sort of gets that, people go, well, yeah, we've got a bit of a problem here. We're going to have to wait and be patient. So... He was really critical for that, um, and as I said before, he 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 gave other people the faith to come in to the club, like Simon Goodwin himself, uh, and other assistant coaches that he brought in are still there now. Benny Matthews, for example, and then Brendan McCartney came in later. So those people think, well, the club's on the right way, heading the right way. I can come into this club with confidence, whereas they may not have done that, you know, 2012, 2013. So Paul was was critical in that regard, absolutely. Well, was there a plan B if we couldn't secure Rusey? Oh, well, we, were, we, we had started a process and we're interviewing others, but we we're always looking at a, a more senior coach for those same reasons. Uh, but some, you know, coaches, some senior coaches want to coach forever. That's what they're passionate about. So to talk to other senior coaches about coming in with a you know a plan that involved handing it over was not not always well received by seeing other other guys looking at the role but it never really came to the fact that we we looked at plan b by the way because we we had started a process we ran a couple of interviews but then Ruzi decided he would get involved so the, the plan the process really never took place uh, Petey did did a remarkable job of completely changing the entire culture of the club um, you spoke before about bringing in Rusey and bringing in the right people. What were some of the other things that you immediately identified uh, that needed changing when you arrived at uh, at Melbourne? Well, yeah, I, I think uh, I've sort of touched on it already. The most important thing was to build the right people there. And, and I mean, if I look for people to come in, come into any organisation, I mean, it's basically intelligence and character if you've, if you've got those to start with intelligence to do the job and the character you know the resilience and the ethics the standards to to do the job and operate the way you want people to operate then you're off to a great start so we that was that was one of the most important things if you get those mix of people that you get the we, we we talk about weight of numbers so the reason I went for Paul Ruse in the first place is that uh, he had started this process up in Sydney and I think Sydney have had an outstanding performance over the last 20 years in terms of their culture and uh, and what's how that's turned into football performance. So the fact that um, 
you know, Rougey started that process up there, well, he was going to help start this process up down here as well. So then if you build weight of numbers around him, around me, and what we believe in and how you should do work, then the culture changes through the through those people, you know, their own standards and behaviours, the way they operate. So you get a weight of numbers, as we like to say, of people who want to operate a certain way, and then that gradually weeds out the wrong people and brings in more of the right people. And so you, you accumulate a group of really good, talented people. And it really just takes off from there to be quite fair. I mean, that, that sounds very simple, what I just said, but that took three years to get yeah. to that position. Uh, and, you know, you've you got some of the best uh, people in your list management team now who have – I think that's one of the outstanding things that needs to be commented on and needs to be understood by Melbourne supporters because between, you know, say 2007 and 2013, you had plenty of opportunity to pick talented young players and and we didn't do it and uh when you look at the people like headed up by josh marnie and then you put todd viney and jason taylor and tim lamb and kelly o'donnell in there and all those sort of people who actually know what football is all about and pick kids based on character competitiveness as well as talent you end up with a list playing the game the way you guys want it to be played today so you know that it, it all sounds so simple and straightforward and it's it actually is simple and straightforward, but it takes a lot of time to put those people together and, and then get those results. Um, take us through your thoughts and emotions watching the elimination final against the Cats. Uh, there's 91,000 at the G, the majority of the Melbourne supporters, the team's playing ferocious finals footy. It was a special night for many reasons. Uh, you must have felt a real sense of accomplishment. Yeah, look, I, I felt... Yeah, you know, we all felt really good for the fans because you've done it so hard for so long. And, uh, you know, Melbourne Football Club, with the history and tradition that it has and, you know, people going back generations uh, looking, watching this this team play and so disappointed in the last number of years. I mean, we, we were, it was as much about the fans as it was about uh, anything we'd done. I mean, because a football club is owned by the fans and... Uh, you know, they're the ones that uh, pay our salaries and turn up at the turnstiles and buy memberships and those sorts of things. And without them, we don't, we can't do what we do. So for me, the greatest accomplishment of that night was seeing 90,000 people come into the MCG, two-thirds of whom were red and blue. And, um, you know, that also vindicates what I been was banging on about to the board for so long for... Um, about how you how you solve the, the the commercial future of this football club, and that's build a good football team. Like the old saying, "Build it, and they will come." Yeah. Well, they came, and uh, they came again the week after. And and you know, I'm sure they'll come next year as a result of that. And uh, if they have the faith and the respect of their footy team, they'll keep coming. And that's the way you build a commercially strong football club. It's that simple. Um, so really, I, I, I did watch a replay of the game afterwards, by the way, and. Um, you know, I was watching the crowd more than I was watching the football because I already knew what had happened. And Channel 7 did a fantastic job, I think, in the way they broadcast the crowd as well as the game. And there was that one particular incident after uh, Mitch Hannon ran down the flank and kicked the goal and BT was at his consummate best. And uh, I don't know if you've watched all this, but the way the Channel 7 cameras just panned back and picked the north, picked out the northern stand and sort of that. That's the accomplishment, seeing that um, that image and those people and a lot of different faces as well, um, if I can say that. You know, there was we, – we've been talking for 
three or four years about introducing new people to Melbourne, to the Melbourne Football Club, because it's quintessential Melbourne, it's quintessential Melbourne culture. Um, come down to the Melbourne Football Club, watch the club team play at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. And uh, if you look at that crowd and that uh, the Channel 7 cameras, you'll see a lot of diverse people in the audience, in, in the crowd, and I just think that that's fantastic as well. So, you know, things are looking bright for the future in that regard, I hope. Yeah, we su- were actually surprised at the um, at the crowd number that night, the strength of the Demon numbers, or did you know that there was that dormant? Well, we knew it was coming. We knew on Tuesday it was coming. We sold more Melbourne tickets through, uh, despite the ticket tech debacle, we sold... <laughs> We sold more Melbourne tickets in 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 the first uh, 30 minutes than, than Richmond bought, so wow. which which was interesting just to see. And uh, so we knew it was coming, um, but the you know the fanaticism, the, the the excitement, all of that that was that was what uh, we didn't know who they were or where they came from, but uh, we knew they were coming. So it was great. It was fantastic. That and and the week after. It certainly was. Uh, Peter, we've seen really solid year-on-year improvement in memberships. What's the potential for future growth on the back of finals and regular September appearances? What number should we be aiming at? Well, that's a hard one for me to, t- to, to work out because I don't actually know how big the Melbourne supporter base is. I mean, it's, one, it's at the smaller end of the spectrum. There's no doubt about that. And we already have a massive conversion rate. Like, like People have told me we've got... 200, 250,000 supporters. So if you've got 45,000 members, that's already one of the highest, one of the two highest conversion rates in the competition. Add to that that there's another 10,000 MCC people who are MCC members but are passionate Melbourne supporters who don't don't take up the joint membership. So you're really sitting with 55,000. So it's really hard to know whether there's more people are going to come out. I think, you know, the, the excitement that was built in September, the run home, I think, attracted a hell of a lot of attention. I think there's a lot of people, you know, coming to Mel- coming into Melbourne who might want to pick up Melbourne. Uh, sorry, AFL football in Melbourne. I think they'd naturally pick up Melbourne at the moment because of what happened and the excitement around it. So, look, I, I don't know what the opportunity is. Um, in terms of hard traditional numbers, um, I'm not sure there's there's too much left in terms of conversion, but in terms of new people coming in, to the city and coming into AFL ranks, I think, that, and young kids, younger people coming in, I think that, you know, there's unlimited opportunities. So, yeah, can we get to 60,000? Possibly. I don't know if we'll do it next year, but I think we should get to 55, sorry, 2019, 55,000 perhaps. But um, I'm not sure you're ever going to get to the the scale of the Collingwoods and, and uh, Essendon's, but that doesn't matter. What matters is people coming to your games and, sitting on seats and watching games. That's where it really matters. Is there any way to convert the the MCC members? I mean, I'm sure that's a conundrum that's faced the club for years. Um, yeah, but they're very valuable, Pete. They're very valuable to us. Uh, I mean, there's, there's about, in, in round numbers, there's about 20,000 uh, people that uh, in the MCC members who are staunch Melbourne supporters and, and half of those take up a joint MCC, MFC membership and I think it's been like that for 10 years and hasn't moved. So uh, it suggests the other 10 aren't necessarily going to sign on. But they turn up to the football every week and, and if they turn up and 
come into the MCC, we get the benefit of that commercially. We, we, you know, that gets paid into the gate. So that's still very, very important to us, those people that turn up, uh, because it's just like anyone turning up and sitting in the southern stand. We still get paid for them turning up. So, um, yeah, look, it'd be nice if they, if they, uh, converted a joint membership, but it's also really nice that they turn up and watch the game every week. Uh, there was a fair bit of media attention surrounding the appointment of your successor and suggestions in some quarters that people weren't happy with the process around that. Uh, you would know, you would have known Gary Pert for a long time uh, in footy. Is he the right man for the job? Oh, he's an experienced CEO who's been running uh, you know, a big football club for a number of years, 10 years or so. I wasn't involved in that process. The board, the board, um, the board ran that process, and uh, they ran an exhaustive process, and they made the pick as as boards do. That's what they're there for. Yeah. And uh, I'd be confident that they ran that process properly, and uh, they've made a decision that they think's the right decision, which is fine. So it's not it's not up to me to judge, um, you know, make any opinion or, or commentary about that that sort of thing. I don't think that would be fair or reasonable. So. Um, the board made that it, that process. It's their responsibility and their obligation to do that, and they've made the call that they think's right. Fair and, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure he's. If you look at his experience and his history of, with Collingwood, he's, he's done a very good job over most of that time. So I'm, I'm sure, we'll, I'm sure the football club will be good in good hands. Uh, what can you tell us about the proposed new training and admin base in Yarra Park? Uh, and what are the chances of having it approved by the relevant authorities? Uh, well, it's an opportunity that was brought to us by others. It's the, the, the building itself sits over the top of the railway tracks as a concept, so it don't, there's no there's no building as such within uh, Yarra Park at all. Um, it's all. All the building is on uh, is outside of Yarra Park. Uh, it looks like a fantastic opportunity for the club. It looks like an opportunity that could set up uh, the club for the next fifty years, depending on the commercial terms which the club could secure that site um, and that's really really important because to be a successful footy team on the field you need a very strong commercial foundation to keep the club sound and you guys who've been following this club for a number of years would know that we've 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 had those problems because we've been um, you know wandering around looking for sort of different types of facilities never had a, a constant home and never had um, you know a strong commercial base for a facility so it could potentially set up the football club for the next 50 years, which means your children and grandchildren could continue to watch the footy club, and I think that's really, really important. And the only thing that's in Yarra Park itself is, is, is an oval. So, I mean, when people sit down and think about that, there's already a couple of ovals in Yarra Park now. One's called the MCG and the other one's called Punt Road. But, you know, to actually level out a bit of the area up there, which is not the best area now as it is and upgrade it and to just have it used for sort of six to ten hours to, to have footballers train on it and the rest of the time it's still open to the public is not a huge impediment there's plenty of precedents both in melbourne and around the world for this sort of thing um you know faulkner park's got playing fields in it that get, that get used from time to time and some of the great cities of the world have sporting facilities in, within their parklands within the middle of their cities so it's and and that whole area is surrounded by massive amounts of parkland so 
really, well, I don't think we're asking too much in terms of the oval, and, and we'd probably even upgrade. You know, people would see that the, the Yarra Park itself was upgraded, um, and uh, there'd be community uh, benefits attached to all of that and improvements done to all of that. But all the building is is off Yarra Park. It's over the railway tracks. So I, I don't think it's a. I think if anything, we could we could realistically argue uh, with our hand on our heart that we'd actually improve a part of Yarra Park rather than rather than actually uh, the track from it at all. Uh, Peter, we're very grateful for your time. We've got two more for you. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from continuing to win games, what does the club need to keep doing to? maintain the momentum that we're generating um, on and off the field? I oh, just, yeah, doing more of the same. Look, I think <laughs> that the biggest thing is you, you, you can't... It's an interesting thing. The football team is the bigger, biggest driver of commercial success of a club. A club yeah. can't be strong and sustainable without having a commercial strong commercial foundation. So they go hand in hand. So a couple of those decisions interact, whether it's the facilities and, and, and other things, and we've got out of gaming and uh, what do we use that for, uh, the funds out of that. Um, and I think the hard, the, the biggest challenge that I think comes for the footy club in the future, and I'm only guessing here, is, is what I call noise. Uh, the expectations with the football club next year are going to be massive now that's what's happened this year, absolutely massive. And uh, we've been saying ever since I started, you can't have lineal success in football. By lineal, I mean straight line improvement year after year. We have. <laughs> and uh, I think we're one of only, up to this year, one of only two clubs that have ever done that in the last five or six years. And that, the other one was Adelaide. And uh, they crashed and burned this year. So, um, you know, they, they they probably have some challenges for other reasons. But just sometimes football, you know, you just have those sort of years and players have those sort of years where it doesn't all go well and you come off a bit and people get a bit frustrated because their expectations were so high and uh, their hopes and dreams were so high and then they get all frustrated and annoyed. And that's what uh, – that's the one thing that um, – causes some problems for some developing clubs and Geelong saw it in 2006 and others, other clubs have seen it. Like if the Giants were in Melbourne right now, they'd probably be a, under siege, but they're not. They're out in Western Sydney, so no one really cares. And, you know, I just think, uh, I just hope supporters realise that uh, this is a really hard competition. What's been achieved so far is, is fantastic, but, you know, we've still got a way to go. Um, I think this team will be successful. Um, you know, whether that's 2020 or 2021 or 22, you know, it doesn't. They're still very young footballers, and uh, you know, 2019. I'm hoping they'll play in a grand final. I'm hoping they'll win it. But if they don't, we're still on the right path, and uh, I think there's a big future for the footy club. So it's really the noise. I think that's uh, the thing I would worry about most. And, and how the club might handle that if, if that sort of scenario did eventuate. Uh, Peter, one final one for you. Uh, we had a listener interested in getting into sports admin. Uh, what's your advice for someone looking to follow that path? <laughs> Gee, that, that's an obscure question. <laughs> I, I get a lot of people asking me that, but I look at them across the other side of the table and see how old they are for starters. <laughs> and so... Um, if if they're young and they think they want to do it, I tell them to go out and learn somewhere else in some other industry and come into football a bit later. 
Um, but other than that, uh, you know, you got to be in the right time, the right place. You got to, you got to know people. You got to, got to get around and you know, that dreaded word called network. Um, you got to get to know people and uh, make sure that uh, they think you're a good fit. And when an opportunity arises, uh, you get considered for it. So, um, so it's a great industry to be in as a, as a legitimate career now there's no doubt about that and football and sports administration generally is seen as a as a professional career opportunity so it's a great opportunity but getting into it's not easy and you've got to get into it at the right level um which is if you know if you're in a management position at a middle or senior management so um get around and try and meet as many people and convince them that you're uh, you're you're a person that can fit into the industry and make a difference Peter, I'd like to thank you on behalf of all Demon supporters for turning this club around. You raised the club up from the ashes on and off the field. Uh, we're profitable off the field and more competitive on the field. Uh, thank you for giving us your time to talk to us tonight and congratulations and good luck with your retirement. Yeah, thank you very much and uh, hopefully I'll see a lot of people in the grandstand 20, 2019. Absolutely. We'll, we'll be there for sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you guys. All right, thanks, Thanks, Peter. Peter. Well, that was uh, Peter Jackson, and uh, thank you to Peter for uh, giving us his time. Um, yeah, very good. I uh, really enjoyed uh, speaking to him, and uh, it's quite enlightening. Um, it's a shame he's got to go. Uh, talk about losing Jesse. I think the bigger loss is Peter Jackson. It's not that I don't have faith in Gary Pert. Uh, obviously, he's a very experienced operator in the industry, but... You just think back over Jackson's time, and really, from my perspective, he's he has not put a foot wrong um, uh, during one of the most uh, you know challenging times in the history of the club. So, um, yeah, I feel like that uh, the umbilical cord has been cut, and um, hmm, we're gonna we're gonna miss him. Uh, we certainly will. I'll uh, introduce our other co-host uh, for for this evening, Nasha. Good evening. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good evening. How are we? I'm very good. Welcome back uh, to the Demonland podcast. Uh, been away for a while, but uh, good to have you back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Um, I'll just before we uh, get stuck into the trades, I'll just uh, give out our phone numbers uh, if you'd like to give us a call and give uh, your thoughts on what went down today and over the past week and a half, uh, 0390163666 at 0390163666 or you can Skype us on Demonland31. Um, all right, so, um, well, I guess we'll go through uh, trade by trade. Um, well, we'll start with the biggest one uh, that happened today and I guess we'll discuss it just on its own for the moment, and then we'll discuss what we did with the picks that we received. So Fremantle received Jesse Hogan and a fourth-round draft pick, number 65, um, and we received um, a first-round draft pick, number 6, um, and a second-round draft pick, number 23. And just keep in mind that prior to that, our first pick was, I believe, number 36. So we did get two picks uh, before our, our original first pick. Um, well, great, Viney. I'll start with you. Uh, do we win or lose? What happened? What happened with that in your mind with that uh, pick? Did we go uh, unders for that? 
We... Um, look, if you, I, I don't get caught up in that kind of um, talk, and I know lots of people do and don't on Demon Land. Uh, Josh Marnie seems to have the nickname Over. Um, first he rolls over, then he bends over, and finally he pays overs. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't agree with that. I like the strategy. The club has uh, looks obviously added in its totality. Um, losing Jesse is uh, is a big loss um, any way you look at it. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, these things can't be judged in isolation. Um, and the club's looking at it, uh, at the whole picture of what's coming and going. So, um, yeah. Uh, Nash, I'll throw it over to you. Just uh, that, that trade in, 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 on its own, uh, your thoughts on it? I, I think I agree with... with um, Grape Viney for the reason that um, it was intended. I, I think the club did this deal because of the opportunity to use those to on use those picks. Um, I th- tend to think if uh, uh, we didn't believe May was available, uh, we wouldn't have gone to the lengths that we would have to get this trade done this year. Um, I think you know part of the decision to trade Jesse in the first place was because there was that uh, further opportunity to, to on-trade the pick. Um, so to that end, um, yeah, I agree that you just can't look at it in isolation because I don't think it was done in isolation. Um, so, look, I'm pretty happy with the outcome. We've, we've got to be happy with – well, we don't have to be happy, but I'm happy um, to see Stephen May come onto the list. Um, I think he'll add a significant amount to our side. Um yep. We definitely needed to trade ourselves up in the draft, having having spent all our uh, top end currency last year on Jake Lever. Um, and I fully agree with the sentiment that it's that it's sad to see Jesse go. Um, by the same token, I think it'll be nice to not have this distraction every single year that um, the talk of his contract seems to bring to the club as well. So we'll talk about Jesse Hogan leaving. Um, uh, there's lots of stuff going on around, you know, flying out there about this. Uh, do you think he came to us wanting a trade? Do you think we've moved him on um, to get away from that distraction? Do you think we saw the writing on the wall, you know, in for 12 months' time that he was going to leave? So uh, we thought we'd be um, not reactive, we'd be proactive with it and sort of move on and get the best deal we can get for him now. Um, it's it's really hard yeah. to say because, I mean, I've, I've changed my mind a dozen times, I reckon, over this whole saga about what I, what I think is happening. Um, Marnie has said several times in the media that um, it was Hogan's suggestion. I have no reason to think that he would lie. I think if it was the club, um, I think if it was the club's idea, he just wouldn't say anything. Um I think it's it was Hogan's idea um, with the club probably not quite so reluctant to go down that path as it might have been in the past. Yeah, I, I agree totally with that and also agree with the sentiment that um, I've changed my mind um, more than a dozen times about what what's caused this and what's really going on. But I, th- I think another factor to that would be that once... Jesse did express even the slightest um, interest in possibly going back home. 
that I think the club might have then thought to itself, well, you're not as desperate um, uh, to uh, you're not as desperate to succeed here as perhaps we need you to be, um, and thus you become perhaps a bit more expendable um, than you might otherwise have been, and um, than your talent otherwise suggests. Um, I we talked out, talked about this uh, last time we were on Andy that um, you know I'm just suspicious that I, I just can't fathom how he could have sat through the elimination and semi-final wins um, and then walk away from uh, walk away from the club and um, the success that's sort of imminent. So um, yeah, I, I wonder whether the uh, the football department thought the same thing. Yeah, like, uh, look, it's hard for me to sort of judge him on that go-home factor um, because I'm in a totally different situation from him. I'm not living away from home. I'm with my family. So it's hard for me to see that. But I I, I can't fathom. I mean, that pull must be really big for him because I can't fathom how he wouldn't want to stay with this team that's on the cusp of yeah. something great. Um, you know, we should be pushing for top four next year and then having a tilt Um why he wouldn't want to be a part of that and why he'd want to go to a team that um, I, I still see even after this trade period I, and I, I can't see them finishing anywhere other than bottom four, bottom bottom six at best, even with Jesse Hogan in the team. So I don't know. I, I don't know why. And that, that, that rings alarm bells to me, just that. Uh, or maybe the pool, he just wants to go home. And if, if that's the case, I can't begrudge him yeah. that. And let's try and get the best thing we can. Do you think the we thing should, we've got to remember, though, sorry, sorry, but the, the thing that one moment, uh, one moment, have to, guys, sorry, uh, Nasha, you go ahead and then uh, uh, Grapevine, you can reply. Yeah, sorry. I was just thinking um, it's – I agree with what you're saying with regards to <clears throat> it's being a bit of a the, the timing's a bit of a surprise. Um, he did re-sign with us uh, twice at least, though when things weren't so good. Yep. So um, yeah, I I I don't know how to I don't know how to reconcile those two. Um, you wouldn't have thought that the pull from home is any greater now than it would have been before. So that that just makes it even more confusing the timing really, and I think it comes back to the point that in the in the past our attitude, the club sorry, well the club's attitude would have been more, um, you know, please don't go, we need you, you're our great white hope, all that stuff. You know, I wouldn't say that to him, but that's that's kind of the thought process. Whereas now it's like, oh, um, yeah, maybe, yeah, it comes back to the point where I think. The reason it happened now is because the club was more willing to let him go. Yes. And the, yep. Particularly with uh, t- uh, Tom McDonald's, um, uh, you know, his emergence as a key forward. He played the same amount of games about thereabouts as Jesse performed better. Um, uh, Sam Wiedemann's emerging. Uh, you know, he played had a great sort of first couple of finals and looks to be something that's going to be really good, but still, you know, he's still young and still developing. Um, so I think from the club perspective, they, they saw that and were sort of happy to sort of oblige him. Uh, Grapevine? Yeah, and look, uh, Destroy Hall's just said in the chat room, doesn't his mum live in Adelaide now? And I, I don't necessarily know that it's a family thing, 
but I do wonder, and I, I guess I suspect that uh, um, maybe his priorities changed um, over the past year, um, given the various personal challenges that he's had, and um, yeah, th- things just might have uh, might have changed in his own mind about what he wants out of life and out of footy. So, um, yeah. We, we don't know, and it's hard to reconcile from the outside when you don't know what's going on in his head. So um, just wish him luck uh, going forward. Yeah, best of luck to, to Jesse Hogan. I'm sure we'll all be uh, looking at his career as he goes forward. Uh, best of luck at, at Frio, but not against the Ds, obviously. Um, so, yeah, watch his It's pace. surreal, isn't it? Because he was one of the first pieces of the jigsaw um, to be put in place in terms of the rebuild. And uh, we thought, uh, yeah, we thought it was going to be a long-term relationship, but uh, it's not. Yeah, um, someone in the chat room, Dion Fard, has uh, just uh, mentioned uh, Jesse's praise and gratitude of the MFC and its supporters this evening was fantastic. And I actually have uh, that post uh, that he posted to Instagram. Uh, This is from Jesse. Thank you to everyone involved in the Melbourne Football Club. I can't thank you enough for your unconditional support, care and love over the past six years, the last two especially, uh, from the supporters, coaching staff and, of course, the playing group. I honestly don't know where I'd be. I've reached the stage where I feel it's best. I put myself around my family and friends and have a fresh start. I'm disappointed to be leaving the Ds at such an exciting time and can't wait to see what the group of special players can achieve in 2019 and beyond. But at the same time, I'm extremely excited to start my new journey at uh, Fremantle. So that's what uh, Jesse uh, had to say. Um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, look, that obviously that, you know, that answers it, you know, uh, that pull from home uh, is outweighs the, the that uh, wanting to be a part of um, what's about to happen at the D's. Yeah. 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 Nice touch. I yeah. Thought. Yeah, I did too. Very classy. Uh, good luck, uh, Jesse. Um, well, we'll move on to uh, the the trade that sort of uh, came basically on the heels of that one, and uh, it was everything. It was all hinging. Uh, what what we got for that was uh, hinging on what happened next, and uh, so we received uh, both Stephen May and Cade uh, Kolejasny. I hope I'm getting that right. I, I still don't know. Um, and Gold Coast received that uh, pick six that we got now. Uh, before trade week, we assumed that the Cade Kolejasny uh, trade would go fairly early and would probably be a swap between some either late second round or third round uh, picks. Uh, that wasn't the case. We got a two for one uh, deal. Um, I think, yeah. Um, I'm look. We were always going to on trade that uh, that pick for Stephen May, so to get uh, Cade in there for free. Effectively, uh, was was a nice touch, and uh, we also assumed there'd be a, a swap of some later picks in there, but there wasn't. Um, Nasha, thoughts on that one? You you sort of touched on Stephen May, but you can maybe include Cade in that uh, if you want. Yeah, I I think um, he's a player who's who's talented. He's got he's undoubtedly talented. Um, had a horrible run with injury. I think there's nothing nothing to be lost there at all. Um, Particularly when it appeared at the end, at the end that he came completely for free, um, you know, I was expecting a low, a low value pick to be used, and it wasn't even that. He just came as part of the package with May. So, yeah, sweet. I'm happy with that. Um, and yeah, as you said, I've already touched on on my thoughts on May. Um, I think he's a huge addition to our side, and uh, definitely 
um, is going to fill a crucial need that I think was evident, particularly in that West Coast game, but at various stages throughout the year. Well, our biggest deficiency, I think, throughout uh, 2018 was uh, in the back line. Um, you know, we were bleeding goals at many times during the year and that possibly cost us a top four spot. So that fulfills a, a, an urgent, uh, you know, need uh, that we needed to correct. And um, I think when you add, you know, we've lost Jesse. Yeah, he kicked 50 goals. But if you look at it, that we've brought someone in that, all right, he's not going to stop 50 goals being scored. Uh, but uh, he's definitely going to shore that up. And I'm quite confident in the, in the two forwards we've got now, plus our smaller forwards, that we can cover Jesse. I believe we, to, at the end of the year, were playing a lot better without Jesse in the team. It's not to say that I would uh, move him on for that reason. Uh, but I'm quite confident that our, our our forward line is fine and let's not talk, well, what if so-and-so goes down with an injury because that can happen to anyone in any team. Um, and that's always going to be a big loss if it happens and you, you can't you can't forecast for that. Uh, but I'm quite happy with uh, bringing May into the team. Uh, Grapeviney, thoughts on uh, that trade that happened this afternoon after the Jesse trade? Yep, happy with all that. Um, I suspect that Gold Coast and Melbourne... Um, had a separate deal ready. Yeah, I was ready um, to go. I believe for for KK. Um, if the May thing didn't go ahead, yep. and that would have happened, uh, and was probably all ready to go, but didn't need to be uh, used in the end. So um, look, I, yeah, in sort of the, that totality of getting, uh, you know, um, getting ourselves back up the order um, and bringing in um, two players that are required. Um, very happy. Uh, I agree that May will be a, um, a really strong addition to a backline that needs him. I don't agree with um, the suggestions of some on Demon Land that this means Oscar McDonald is going back to Casey. No, not um, at all. Under no circumstance is that going to happen. Um, I suspect Frost will, though. Um, so, look, yeah, I, I, I think... Um, I'm excited to watch us play next year. Do we? Th- uh, go no, ahead. Sorry, I go, was just going to say that I, I agree, and I I see May as a um, direct upgrade to Frost. Um, similar sort of attributes in that they're um, they're big, strong, fast defender defenders. Um, you know who can who can also drive out of the back line as well as defend. Um, but just a better footy brain. He's, you probably give away a little bit on size compared to Frost. He's not quite as tall, but he's 102 kilos, so he's a he's a big boy. And um, yeah, just the the footy brain uh, improvement is a is is a big step up. Uh, what are you boys uh, imagining our back six uh, is going to look like? Have you had any thoughts um, on that? Well, I guess it's a combination of um, those three talls, Lever, um, Frost and Oscar. Then you've got Nev, uh, Hibbard, uh, Salem. Yep. I'm thinking. Yep. Yep, I, I agree. And then, you know, you've got guys like Frost. He can come into the team to fill a need. He, Frost might even go on to a wing, I don't know. Uh, you know, it depends on his you know, uh, disposal. There's also Lewis in there. Well, um, that's right. You got to can't forget Lewis and Kolodajnij. And Kolodajnij <laughs> either playing off half back or a wing. So um, yeah, it, 
huge, huge addition to the uh, to the strength of uh, of the back line. And, and I'm hoping College Jasnidge um, is not going to be just a set of steak knives thrown in. Um, I, I think uh, there's you know something that he'll add to that, and I hope he gets an opportunity uh, early on to sort of show uh, what he can do. And no doubt, if he's fit and ready, uh, they'll play him uh, you know in the preseason, and we'll go from there. I, I he's, he's got talent. To be uh, a his issue has been player. injuries and the concussion, um, and perhaps playing in a in an ordinary side. But even still, I think he's performed um, pretty well when he can get out on the park um, and finished uh, second, I think, in the BNF a couple of years ago. So, and was um, was a number five pick, I believe, in twenty thirteen. Yep. So um, you know, kid can play. Uh, Nasha, you wanted to add something? Yeah, apologies. I keep talking over That's the top right. of grab. Um, <laughs> That's Scott's yeah, um, fault. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I expect him to be to be a best twenty-two player. Um, he's a like you've already touched on. He's a he was a top-end talent as a junior, um, and he's actually showed that in his time at, as at Gold Coast as well. It's just been the it's just been the concussions and the the, the lack of continuity. Um, I, I've got I've got high hopes that he's going to be a, a classy you know halfback slash winger for us. Um, yeah, and as you say, not just a set of steak knives, but a valuable acquisition into unto himself yeah i agree uh we've got i've got a little short uh, clip uh that's that the melbourne footy club uh posted of Stephen may uh sort of he's um talking directly to the to the club the supporters so uh all right let's see how this plays g'day d's fans Stephen may here um just want to say i'm absolutely stoked to be on board and be able to wear the red and blue next season. Um, thanks so much for all the support I've received already on social media. You guys have made me feel really welcome, and I just can't wait to get stuck into season 2019. Cheers. G'day, D's fans. Stephen May here. Uh, we don't hey, need you've it. already said it once. Calm down. <laughs> That's Instagram for you. Uh, but there you go. I thought That's, he uh... was live on the air uh, talking to Demonland 4276. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, uh, you know what? That uh, Maxie made that joke in the uh, in the BNF speech about Demonland. Uh, what was it? 4276. 4276. Yeah, and I, uh, I, was, I went to... Um, start up an account of Demonland 426 as a sort of parody account and someone had beaten me to it. So. That was Rod Rod, uh, Rod Grinter Riot Squad yeah. um, who changed his name on the, on the night of the BNF. Yeah. But he's changed it back now, so it should be available. Okay. <laughs> and I, it's a shame that no one's got that avatar yet. Um, I actually thought the whole website should have changed its name to Demon Land 4276. <laughs> I didn't think of that, but <laughs> maybe for uh, April Fool's Day we will. Um, uh, I, maybe later on we can just uh, quickly talk about the BNF. I just wanted to make mention later. I'll talk about oh, oh, bloody Skype. One sec. We do have a caller. One sec. Good evening. Uh, welcome to the Demon Land podcast. Good evening, it's Bin Man. Bin Man, good evening. How are you? Very good, thanks. Terrific um, interview. I think I've got a bit of an echo, though. I've got a, I can hear myself. That, that, that will probably resolve itself. It's probably a Skype thing. Um, hopefully it does resolve itself. Uh, is it still happening? Uh, no, but I have a history of repeating myself. It's the same on my posting on Demon Land, so maybe, <laughs> maybe it's an ironic, ironic Skype thing. All right. Um, uh, yeah, what did you want to talk about? Uh, which trade in particular? 
or a, a oh, group of them? Look, I guess the big ones, Jesse Ho. I think really I'm very much in agreement with um, all of your positions, sort of what Nash had said. I mean, I think one thing I would would like to say is that I'd be really disappointed if there's sort of a, a turn on Jesse Hogan. One of the things that I didn't like was a sort of some of the, you know, rumours, not, you know, some of it was on Demonland, but just generally in the in the public that was sort of rolling around about maybe the club wanting him out and, um, you know, some off-field issues and that sort of thing. And, you know, maybe that's normal human behaviour to start sort of turning on people you think have turned on you. But, um, you know, I think it's hard to change the fact that he's, a, I think, the best forward we've had since Schwartz before his first injury. Um, and so there's nothing, you know, really that's going to replace it. I think May is a terrific pickup. So um, now's as good a time as any. I think we're in a good position to to cover the loss of Hogan. But it's there's no question it's a loss. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Couldn't agree more. The the I was watching uh, on Fox Footy their trade show um, uh, just prior to this show, and uh, they they rated our trade period as a B. Um, but having said that, afterwards they both, one of them, predi- I think it was uh, Brad Johnson, predicted us to finish first, and the other guy predicted us to finish third. So um, yeah, <laughs> so there we get a B, and uh, still think we'll uh, we'll finish in top three. So yeah, hopefully that well, happens. Well, B is pretty good, I think, and I, and I mean there was another. I mean, it's sort of you know, see some of this through the lens of. Um, Demonland, I think, in terms of some of the critique, and I'm not sure, you know, it's fairly sort of one-eyed fans on Demonland, I guess, but um, I mean, some of the critique of Moni, is it Moni? was strange, I thought, because if anything, I think our reputation has been enhanced in the last couple of years, where I heard 10 minutes of the um, trade radio earlier on, and uh, Wallace was saying how, you know, straight shooters we are, we, you know, we, we do deals, we don't leave things to the last minute. We get them done. And I think that his um, stocks have rised quite um, a bit. And it was interesting. I, I thought it was a fascinating interview with uh, Peter Jackson. And there was some talk about him having a succession plan in mind for his role and that uh, Marnie might have been that person. Um, so that he sort of response to the excellent question about Pert, which I, I thought was a courageous question, was really interesting, I think. Yeah, uh, uh, Great Viney, do you want to answer that in terms of the Pert uh, question? I think you mentioned uh, uh, that he played it with a straight bat. Um, yeah, which I think is a bit telling in itself because um, had uh, you know had it been a ringing endorsement, we'd, it would have been a ringing endorsement. So anything less than that raises suspicions, I guess. Um, uh, look, I, I don't know how to judge Pert. He's been at Collingwood. They're a very successful club. Um, I think his time included um, their, you know, the changes to their facilities. So he's got experience in that aspect of it and certainly growing membership. So they're two things that are important to us right now. But um, there are, for me, their question marks just remain around how it got done, I guess. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. 
I was going to actually ask him at the time, um, did he want to be involved in it? But he sort of made a well, he said yeah, that it's a board's decision. Yeah, hard. exactly. I don't, <laughs> you know, he he was uh, nice enough to give us the time, so I don't want to sort of, uh, you know, uh, hound him to the point. You know, particularly when he did say it is a board's uh, decision. So yeah, not an investigative journalist. So. <laughs> And, and I wonder whether part of I mean I would suspect that he's as a good leader he he um, spends a, you know all good leaders invest time in um, people who work under them and um, Josh Roney's um, style I think is be you know he's always been a straight shooter but you know I wonder whether some of his approach is you know hard but fair or, or in the last couple of years and his sort of public stuff so um, you know I think it, um, we we did really well. I don't know enough about um, Kardashian. Is that his name? <laughs> it's the, uh, called Jasmine. <laughs> Jasmine, okay, right. I think. Right. It's not one of the Kardashian clan. The, no. um, <laughs> um, but he has what we need, which, and I think, you know, I think, you know, it's probably no surprise that I think our so-called weaknesses down back is overplayed a bit. Um, I think May will be terrific. Of course, he's a he's a terrific player and will be better at Melbourne than he was at Gold Coast. But for me, our biggest weakness is our poor kicking and has been. I've said that when I've called it previously, and um, and not so much our outside run, but it's that really you know the poor kicking that we can. We just have too many poor kicks. So I'm really hoping. Apparently, he's a good kicker. Um, you know, the bit I've seen of him, I don't watch other clubs all that much, um, but I'm certainly hoping that. They bring in some good kicks through the draft. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I li- just on that, I like what we've done with um, trading up in the draft order, um, uh, the packaging of those picks this afternoon. So, yeah, I'll mention um, I'll mention that now. Um, uh, yep. So we um, we gave St Kilda uh, pick thirty six, which was our original first pick. And we gave a, which was a, a second, a late second round selection, and we gave them a thir- our third round draft selection number 40, 46, um, and we received twenty eight. Um, so I believe uh, that leaves us. We've got in the draft now. We've got twenty three, which we received in the Jesse trade. We've got twenty eight, which we which I mentioned we just received from the Saints for the pick swap of thirty six and forty six. We've got 54, which was an original pick of ours. We've got 62, which we received from the Kangas uh, from the Proust Tyson trade, and we'll talk about that in a moment, and pick 91. So we've got five uh, picks. So we're, Is 54 the McDonald pick, or is that 53? That we got for, uh, for Tom McDonald. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately... Yeah, they were both the same. Unfortunately, uh, Super Mercado isn't on the uh, podcast tonight. That was I'd be 53. Able to... That's 53. 53. Yeah. 53. Yeah. <laughs> Missed it by that much. All right. But, yeah, our original pick, was, first pick was 36. So I, I think it's good that we did trade up in the draft order and now we've got 23 and 28, which is sort of second round yeah. uh, picks. And uh, considering uh, we got in uh, May uh, with the May and Collard Jasney uh, with that um, pick um, six, um, and and Taylor's got runs on the board in um, yeah. picking uh, good selections in those twenties and thirties and even forties. So what were Spargo um, and Fritch last year? Was uh, Fritch was thirty one? Yeah. The, the and uh, Spargo went before him, didn't he? So that was also in the twenties, I would say. And, and great, Barney. I was going to say that. Um, 
exactly that point is one he's got runs on the board but two he's got um clear strategy of identifying players that he wants to get and they're like fritz was probably more an obvious one but hannon wasn't so much and did he i'm assuming he got um uh vandenberg didn't he um wagner who hasn't been quite as um such a good pickup but he certainly identified him he, he's sort of got he, he targets players and um i mean fritz was a really good example he targeted even though we got what who was a good kick he targeted the player with really good kicking skills um and so i would be very surprised with that pick 28 they've they've um, got that number because they've got their eye on someone that potentially other clubs do that they want to get up in front of it. Um, so, you know, someone maybe a 21, 22 year old in, in, perhaps in the VFL or um, in one of the other um, state leagues. Um, you know, and I think a point that uh, Nasha made about the sort of the whole thing about overs and, and value, I think, really has to be seen in the sort of at the end of the process. Um, you know, with Fritch, the discussion about Fritch, you know, about Watson value and all that stuff, and you know, really, uh, you know, when it all washes through, um, it doesn't mean a great deal. Yep. Yep, agreed. Um, uh, well, I'll keep you on, uh, Bin Man, because we'll, we'll talk about the uh, the next. Uh, the tra- well, we'll talk about the first trade that that went down. Um, uh, we received uh, pick 65, which was a fourth round uh, selection uh, for Dean Kent uh, going to the Saints. Um, uh, boys, uh, I'll start with Big Man since you're our guest at the moment. Um, Dean Kent, a big big loss, not a loss at all. What, what's your thoughts there? Uh, oh, somewhere between the two, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really um, like Ken. I was sitting above. I can't recall if I said I think I might have said it when I called in, but I was sitting above um, where Kent um, collided in the first couple of minutes of that. Um, it was the, which game was it? Was it the GWS game where he injured himself? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and it was a huge hit, and you could see straight away he was in trouble. And, you know, I think he was really unlucky at Melbourne with, um, um, you know, just his injury run, and that one in particular, because he certainly would have played finals. Uh, and then who knows? Um, I think he added something. He, he, I heard his manager say that he wanted to play midfield, yeah. and he was never going to get into the midfield mm-hmm. of Melbourne. So, you know, I wish him luck. And I, you know, I always liked him. He always had a bit of zip, and I um, love left footers. So, um, I don't know, a huge loss, but um, uh, I think you know we can certainly cover him. Yeah, I I had a uh, I'll, I'll let you go in a sec, Nasha to to say that, but I had a St Kilda mate who SMS me when that trade was about to go down. He said, "What's Dean Kent like?" And I said, "Well, I really like him when he's fit and on the park, uh, but unfortunately, he didn't. Uh, I think he only played nine or eleven games in the last two years, and um, you know, I think that speaks volumes. Uh, uh, and good luck for him trying to to get more minutes uh, in another team. You know, or you know." Uh, good luck, good luck to him. So um, yeah, I, I liked him, and I'm sorry to see him go. But I you know, didn't play enough, uh, didn't get enough games because of injury, and some of it was really unlucky, like you said, big man. Uh, but some players are just always injured, and he seemed to be one of them. Nasha, thoughts? I was just going to say, I th- um, all things being equal, I think we would have kept him. Um, the um, you know he, he's capable of being a best 22 player. He's worth giving another year to. Um, 
but we were sort of left no choice when St Kilda offered him three years. I, I can't it, to me it beggars belief that they would offer him three years. Um, firstly, they've got to get him fit enough to be able to play midfield if that's where they see him playing. Um, he's got to be able to, um, you know, just not get injured as often as he, as he does. And you know, I know some of that's bad luck, like that last shoulder injury. But um, uh, they've taken a huge gamble. Um, you know, if I was in Josh Marty's shoes and Dean Kent came to me and said, "Well, you've only offered me one year." Um, St Kilda have offered me three, I'd be saying, okay, good luck then. Um, yeah, so all things being equal, I would have kept him, but I don't think I don't think that was an option that was available to us really. So we kind of really had to just trade him for, for what we could get. Great, Viney. Any thoughts on that trade? Uh, ultimately, on? no great loss for mine. As you said, he's only played... Uh, the nine games the past two years and hasn't done a whole lot really in those games. Um, I'll be forever grateful yep. for the goal against West Coast yep. um, that secured September. Yep. Um, and for that, I wish him well in his future endeavours. But I, I, he needs to, uh, I, I think he needs to completely um, change the way he approaches his football if he's going to be successful. Um, I, I just, yeah. I've got question marks about him. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, watch his career sort of through one eye uh, as I uh, have a look uh, at the Saints. But, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, overly upset. Um, I've just read down the bottom of this uh, trade tracker from the AFL. It says, MB, no trades are official until paperwork has been accepted by the AFL and formally recognised after 2pm on Thursday, October 20. Well, that must be for last year because uh, Thursday is October the 18th. So um, it seems like it's not... Jesse could still be a demon. But, uh... Well, Pro, Pro D had a suggestion in the farewell Jesse Hogan thread that we should start getting in his ear about a possible return in uh, three years' time or four Hogan. years when his contract runs out. We'll just go back to Jesse and the contract. Do we know what length of contract? I, three. They gave him three. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. And I will um, – uh, Collar Jasny, uh, I believe, is three as well. Um, Stephen May's five. Are you guys? Does that uh, concern you? Considering I think it takes him to thirty-one or thirty-two. Thirty-one. Thirty-one. Um, no. Yeah. Because as someone pointed out, Brian Lake went to Hawthorne at thirty-one, One, and three. then played in three premierships and won a Norm Smith. Yep. So, and then um, competed on Survivor. So, uh, <laughs> look forward yeah. to see Stephen May <laughs> on the uh, beach in Fiji uh, in uh, eight years' time. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll move on to the next trade. Um, that is, uh, we gave Dom Tyson to North Melbourne for. Um, what was it? It was Braden Pruce and a fourth round selection number 62. Um, look, um, d- thoughts on Tom? I'll, I'll go to B-Man. You can, uh, you can take the honours on, on Dom. Thoughts on uh, uh, I mean, I've always been a Dom Tyson fan. I think the um, writing was on the wall when he couldn't get back into the um, centre where, I mean, I think it, it was noted widely he struggled out on the wing on that sort of that outside wing player. Um, But I think it's important to remember that he was in our best 22 when we had 
all of our key um, centre midfielder um, players fit and firing come finals. They they didn't hesitate to bring him back after he um, broke his arm yeah. um, for the finals. So he was clearly a best 22 player. And, and again, it's sort of not quite the same as Jesse Hogan, but you know, hopefully people don't fall for the trap of rewriting history and downplaying him. Um, I think he will be really good actually for the the Roos. It's a good pick up for them because he will go into the centre, and then they've got you know Cunnington, Higgins, and Tyson will be a pretty good trio of extractors. Um, but he was never going to get past Brayshaw, Oliver, and Viney. Yep, agreed. Um, Nasha, you want to add anything to that? No, no, spot on. Um, yeah, and. He was a valuable player through the through the beginning of the rebuild, so I, I think we've got a lot to thank him for. To be honest, uh, happy to see him go to a club where he'll probably play a role that suits him. Um, yeah, unfortunate that he was squeezed out of our our starting midfield, but then again, I suppose you could argue it's not that unfortunate because it means we've upgraded. So exactly. yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, and and Bruce, I mean, it's not the question you asked, but no, that's right. Um, but you know, an obvious need. That's the the most obvious need out of out of any that existed on our list. So um, that's this is a true win win trade for me, in my opinion. Um, if we can get Proust to play forward at all, which is also probably made easier by Jesse going. Um, at the end of the day, both clubs get a player who will play AFL football, fill a need. Um, they would have probably both been playing against each other at Casey if the trade hadn't have been done. So, yeah, win-win trade for me. So we'll talk about Proust now. Let's, uh, Grapevine, you got anything you want to add about Dom Tyson, the Dom Tyson no, side just, of the trade? I agree with, um, I agree with Nasha that he was really important in those early years. And I know some people on Demon Land lament the fact that we missed out on Kelly, but I think... Um, uh, Salem and, and Tyson was uh, was really important that we got those two players in and Tyson played some really good footy in 214 um, and I, I, look everybody's bypassed him now and caught up to him and, and sort of pushed on but I still think I, I sort of look at the way he played this year and even last year and I can't reconcile his form of <clears throat> Of, uh, of a few years ago with the player that we see now. I, I don't recall him being a slow decision-maker back then, and I don't recall him um, sort of regularly turning the ball over. So um, I just wonder whether, yeah, what, what, what the reason is that he's, he's off the boil. Maybe it's a confidence thing once he did get pushed out of his, uh, his main role that, uh, that perhaps he felt a bit lost in the team and that, uh, that, that affected the way he played. Uh, now we'll talk about the uh, Braden Proust side of the trade. Um, it sort of baffled me initially um, as to why, and the media have said this a lot, why Braden Proust would have wanted to come to us, considering that uh, at the moment there's no way he's going to push Max out of the number one draft, uh, number one uh, ruck spot. Um, but seeing you know the, everything he's said uh, since he's come over, he wants to learn under the best. Um, so I really like that aspect of it. Uh, do you guys think that he is going to fit into our best 22? Do you think we'll play to Ruckman and having now with Jesse gone, having Bruce, uh, someone, one of them resting in the forward uh, line? Um, Bidman, I'll start with you. 
Uh, I actually think it's a really interesting one, um, uh, Bruce, coming in. I agree it's a win-win, and just on those those three trades, they were all done quickly, and again, that's, to me, like a good club does those trades. They didn't hold Kent up. There was no, you know, let's see if we can squeeze another, you know, third, second rounder or something. Yeah. Uh, and they did the Proust deal early. Um, yeah. And I think the, and you know, I agree it's a win-win. I reckon it's really interesting, actually. I suspect, I do wonder whether, they might have had in their mind that the Hogan trade was going to happen. Um, yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're thinking of having him up um, as a forward. Um, and my suspicion is that he will play more senior games than what people might think because I, I've been saying for three, four years now, but Max Gorn is probably the most valuable player ever for, that I've followed Melbourne in terms of if you took him out of the team, our chances of winning a flag, you know, or any game that he's playing. Um, and he was exhausted. I don't know if you guys remember the Hawks game, but he got smashed in that game. And he um, he was definitely tired against um, West Coast. Mm-hmm. He was flagging in the first quarter. Um, so a long season. Um, so I, I see Bruce playing a role, and I actually see him then maybe, you know, bringing him in every... Not so much to give uh, Gorn a chop out, but against certain teams, like when you've got, say, against Colligan, where they've got um, the two bigs or the three bigs, that he might play maybe half the season um, strategically uh, mm-hmm. and then sort of come up forward um, be, and play sort of a deep forward and swap chop out player. Because um, the other thing I think is interesting is that Vardy and um, what's the other, Lysette, they were terrific against um, Melbourne, I thought, and they were a big factor in the grand final yeah. as well, having those two big ruckmen. So I wonder whether that's influenced the thinking as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, the Fox footy boys before um, before this show didn't have him in the best 22, were saying that he'd play most of the year at Casey, and I couldn't disagree more. I think I agree with you, big man. I think he'll play uh, more than bit roles uh, throughout strategically throughout the year, and I think we'll see him definitely in the preseason. I think they're going to um, trial playing both of them. Um, maybe in the first game it'll just be Proust, but I believe they will will trial having uh, both of them in the team just to see how it works, and we'll, we'll see more of that throughout the year. Uh, Nasha, thoughts? Um, well, we just have to, uh, sort of what Bin Man was touching on, I think, we have to protect Gorn. There's yeah. no way we can go a whole another season where we can just allow him to just get absolute, to, you know, to, to do that level of work. Because, um, you know, if he gets injured or he, or he runs out of steam, firstly, we're not used to, to playing without him. Um, if he does get injured, if we haven't actually um, had another Ruckman spend a good, body of time in there um and secondly it's just increases the chance that you know we'll if we get as far as a preliminary final or you know if in the best case a grand final you don't want to get there and have max gorn stuffed yeah um uh yeah no so i and i hope um i hope that he can contribute as a forward um when he when he does play um that certainly means that it's costing us nothing to play him um but i think even if he even if he struggles as a as a resting forward or or anything like that, um, he's still going to have to play a, do do a good portion of the work throughout the year just to protect Gorn. Great, Vine. Uh, nothing to add to that. I agree with uh, agree with both. The right. other thing about Bruce is he is a seriously seriously big unit. He is yep. huge. I remember he played the first. I saw some of the game uh, the. 
one of those um, pre-season games that they played at Arden Street, I think. Um, um, the first year he came down uh, from Queensland, he has got a rugby background, I think. Um, and so he was unbelievable in that match. He was smashing them. And the talk then was that um, he uh, Goldsmith wasn't going to be able to get past him. So I'm not quite sure what happened. Um, with his sort of North Melbourne career, but yeah, he's a big fella and he'll he'll crash some packs in sort of the style that um, Mumford sort of used to. Now I know everyone looks good in highlights. My two minutes of highlights are fantastic, um, but there's that highlight video that the D's put up, and um, he can mark and he can kick. Uh, kicked a beautiful sixty meter goal. Um, so and he's a Good tap Ruckman, so yeah, let's hope he learns under the best, which he will be, and um, hopefully get some game time, and I'm um, looking forward to it. Um, uh, Bidman, anything else you throughout the trade period you want to discuss? No, no, no I think um, it was pretty, I mean, pretty straightforward, as I said. I, I'm sad to see Jesse go. Uh, you know, who knows what. He obviously did want to get home. I read in, he talked about, you know, his sister and brother have got kids and, um, you know, and I wonder if there's some other, you know, he struggled. I think, though, as Nasher, I'd really like people to remember that he signed on at a time that um, I put on Demon Land that, you know, at a time when, you remember the energy he gave the fans, um, people like us who were, you know, when he re-signed that first time. You know, there was all the talk about him going then, but he stuck with us, and he came in under Neil. Like, he's, he did some seriously hard yards at the footy club, and, and I reckon there's every chance that he's got, said now he wants to go. The club said, well, it's a good time to go, um, and, you know, and you know they would have kept him, I think, but um, um, that he's done the right thing. You know, he, he waited, like, to a, a time where, you know, he didn't stuff us around, um, and, you know, he's waited for a time where, he isn't irreplaceable, which he would have been two years ago. If for no other reason, it would have crushed spirits, wouldn't it? If he'd left when he extended last time, it would have been a shocker given where we were on our trajectory. Um, the other thing, just before I go, is I reckon that point by Peter Jackson's a fantastic one about the the warning he sounds about expecting just a linear improvement. You know, so the logic. Would be the next linear improvement would be to make a grand final, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, a lot's got to go right. Um, I said, you know, I'm really looking forward to the drafting um, period. That's, that's the time that I'm interested in watching those highlight packages. So they all look like champions. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for your contribution. It's always appreciated, and you've always got something interesting uh, to add. So uh, thank you very much for your call, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you on Demonland. Fellas, go demons. Go those demons. Um, well, if, uh, if if you do want to join us, uh, probably be ending it uh, shortly. Zero three nine zero one six three triple six. I just wanted to to briefly uh, just talk about. Um, I got to find uh, the 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 post here that I put up. Um, were quoted. What Maxi said at the BNF, um, uh, Nasha, did you watch any of the uh, live stream of um, of the BNF the the other night? Oh, I didn't watch it live, but I watched all the um, all the clips that came up afterwards. 
Um, what what quote were you referring to? Sorry. Yeah, there was a Maxi. Uh, Maxi made a quote. There was a quote the that he talked. Email to, that he sent to everyone. Yeah, he emailed everyone, and then he sort of read. Uh, or, or yeah, he it? said that. Uh, oh, I've got it here. You I've can't got win the, a premiership yeah. in the off season, but I've, you can definitely lose one. All right. Well, yeah. uh, I've got the I've got the quote here. He said, "Lastly, to the playing group, I hope you guys were watching on Saturday, referring to the grand final." And uh, watching what could have uh, been for us, and I genuinely, genuinely hated watching it. And I hope every single one of you hated watching that game and found it really tough. And I hope you stayed and watched the celebrations like I did as well. Watched those West Coast guys get those medals and see what we missed out on. Because all I do know is that our game plan stacks up on that day, and the Melbourne person thrives on that day. That day has us ridden all over it. I hope everyone found it as difficult as I did to watch it and uses it as motivation going into the off-season. Premierships definitely can't, can't be won over these next two months, but by geez, they can be lost. You've got decisions to make over the next few months, and I'm expecting a real tilt at this 2019 flag because that's why we're all here to play footy. Um, so, Brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Gave me chills hearing it uh, when Gorn said it, and it even gave me chills when when you repeated it, Andy. So, yep, no, I love that. It's, um, look, he, he says he says what he 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 expresses what you hope, what we all hope the players yeah. think, yeah. And, and he's really eloquent as well. Like I, I just love that. It's fantastic. Yeah. His speech was twenty seven minutes, and not once did I think to myself, "When's this going to be over?" Because it was right at the end of the night. It was quite a long night. They, it was, um, you know, uh, it, it was. I thought it was a great night, but uh, usually when someone gets up and speaks for twenty seven minutes, uh, you sort of, "When's this going to end?" Not once did I even think that, and. Um, you know, uh, he just, uh, he's, this guy has got a career after footy and I, I, you know, I couldn't be more proud of him, um, for that. And it's not, but, you know, we sponsor him and, you know, sort of, uh, I love the guy, but, uh, yeah, this guy, um, just wrapped that he, first of all, won the BNF and, you know, uh, I hope he takes out a Brownlow medal one day. Couldn't be proud That's of right him. though. What he said there, that is music to a supporter's ears. And once you have a critical mass of players that are thinking that and genuinely believe that, um, then you're uh, then you're in the serious uh, uh, the serious uh, uh, part of the competition. The other thing is with that speech, I think it it um, shows a side to to Max that we maybe don't see very often. Um, maybe you know Max Max the leader. Yeah. Oh, did we lose you there? Um, might have lost uh, Nasha for a second. Maybe you're uh, still got you connected, but uh, maybe your uh, microphone has come out. Um, Nasha, you there? Hello, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I was just saying, um, perhaps it means that we've. It was perhaps a side that we hadn't seen to Max before. Um, you know the. The serious, the serious. This is serious business to him. Um, it matters to him, and also a, a, a dose of leadership that we probably don't normally see. Um, normally, the the face Max presents is the, you know, the jokester and, yeah, the, the, and clown. the clown. Yeah. But but this was this was a, this was another level that I hadn't seen from Max before. Yeah, and uh, so that that thing that that quote that, that that I read that was an email that he emailed out to all the boys as as well. So, um, 
yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's a real leader. Um, well, he's in the leadership group, and you can see why he is. And um, I, I'm really hoping that maybe he takes someone like Stephen May coming into the club under his wing when they uh, sort of reconvene after their break, and uh, you know, get him fit like Max got fit. Um, uh, yeah, love that. Um, boys, anything else uh, before we uh, wrap it up here? Um, I have one quick question. Yeah, go for it. What's What's your favourite biscuit? <laughs> well, in case anyone uh, it doesn't get that reference, uh, we we had a uh, Jesse Hogan uh, trade to Frio thread. I think it uh, m- made it to four hundred uh, pages. Um, how many How many posts are on a page? About twenty or thirty. On a I page. think it's twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then throughout throughout the uh, the time, there was that running gag about biscuits. I don't know how it started, but it got to a point where I put an end to it. I don't often <laughs> I don't often put my foot down, uh, but I sort of did uh, because it was making me very hungry, and I'm trying not to eat uh, biscuits. But uh, well, the thread is now four hundred and twenty five pages long. Um, that includes the deleted biscuit posts. Um, I don't think it was there, all deleted biscuit posts. There are 10,438 <laughs> replies in it, and it's been viewed 427,000 times. Um, so that is astonishing. And, look, I did write to the Guinness Book of Records <laughs> to their online forums division, um, and I did try to enter it in the longest trade thread um, category. But the biscuit posts um, disqualified. were deemed to be spam, <laughs> and we've been disqualified. So all you topic bumpers out there that sat in the Jesse Hogan thread um, for the past two weeks, you've uh, you've ruined it all. Does does it does it compare to the um, how does it compare to the Jack Watts uh, trade thread um, or no, any nothing nowhere near it or the total of all Jack Watts threads throughout his tenure at the Demons. That's a different story. <laughs> but I did look up the um, – if you remember the last time Jesse's contract was up in the air, we had the Jesse Hogan panic room, yep. um, which is now locked, of course. Yep. Um, and that only ran to 137 pages, so this one blew it out of the water. Well, I must say that the period, um, the trade week period and, and even the – because you've got the one and a half weeks of trade week, but you've got that sort of week before the trade week where there's a lot of talk and speculation and I think they have that trade radio going almost 24-7 in that week prior to the trade week. Um, I must say that uh, traffic for Demonland is bigger during that time than even during the, the year. Um it's like game day every single day uh, during this period. So it is a popular time, um, and I'm sure the, the posts on Twitter and all social media is probably bigger or bigger. Than, so there's something about this trade week uh, weeks that, that is popular, so you can see why they're doing live telecasts for the last two hours of it. And, um, yeah, you can understand it because there's obviously a, a, big, um, a big interest about uh, trade week. Um, uh, speculation. Or, or there's no. I don't know anything about the the kids coming through, and because our picks are uh, sort of in that those high twenties, I guess we can't. I'm sure our draft uh, team will pull rabbits out of the hat, but hopefully, uh, I'm sure they've got their eyes on on who they want to want to pick. 
one of the names that's expected to go about around that uh, around that time is a Dersma, uh, and I believe it's a nephew of uh, of the great Jamie Dersma, yep. um, best known for taking the scalp of Sticks Kernahan um, at the end of the uh, 80s there when, when Sticks was um, probably the best centre forward in the league. And and um, from Hawthorne, what's his name? Brereton, didn't he? Did he also – was that him, Dersma? Remember uh, we played – No, Peter Rode used to do the job on um, Brereton. So when we played – Maybe Dersma had him before, yeah, maybe, possibly. Remember we played them two weeks in a row uh, and defeated that them in the – That was Peter Rode. That was Peter Rode, okay. Yep. Yeah. Tony uh, Campbell on Dunstall. And oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. good. Um, uh, boys, any other any other loose threads uh, <laughs> before before we hang it up? Uh, no loose threads. Plenty of loose posters. <laughs> yeah, well. Including the whirlwind return and disappearance of Range Rover. Yeah. Yes, uh, <laughs> we did have... Uh, a past uh, poster, and I don't think I don't think he was ever banned off Demonland. I, I, I don't know, uh, Nasha. Can you confirm or deny? I think he just uh, sort of went away, but he did make a return this week, and we might have lost Nasha yeah. again. Okay, Nasha's disappeared too. <laughs> All right, uh, he's probably talking, and uh, we can't hear him. Um, well, we might uh, we might wrap it up there. That that was our trade trade wrap up. Uh, we will return. Um, after the draft, uh, what uh, do you know when the draft is this year, Great Viney? It's late November, I believe, but yeah, it's usually know. sort of around the twentieth or twenty fifth. Yeah, so we will we will return. I'm hoping that we can. We got Jason Taylor on last year. I'm, I'll I'll put the feelers out and see if we can get him back again this year. And if it's not him, I, I maybe possibly try and get um, Todd Viney. Josh Marnie would be great if we could. Um, I'll see what I can do on that. But, yeah, if we, even if we can get Jason Taylor again, that'd be great because he really gave it. Last year was a great insight into sort of the thinking of, of why, you know, why we took who we took. And I, I you know, sort of like that type of talk. And I, yeah. I think a lot of us... It's, it's over the two days this year. It's Thursday the 22nd of November and Friday the 23rd. So th- we're not going to feature actually on that first day because I believe the first day is the first round, uh, the top 18 or 19 picks and we're not in till a bit later on in the piece. So uh, not much will be happening for us on that first day. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll certainly be involved on day two um, and then we'll wrap it up sometime. What, what days did you say it was? Uh, was it Tuesday, Wednesday? No, it's a Thursday and Friday. Friday, all right. So we'll so be we'll, we'll wrap it back up the next week at some point. Um, so, yeah, you can look forward to that. But, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, listening to this show. Um, yeah, you can you can follow us uh, Facebook uh, facebook.com slash Demonland31, Twitter at Demonland, Instagram at Demonland31, Search for us on YouTube, search Demonland Podcast, you'll find us and uh, you can listen to the interview that uh, we did today with uh, Peter Jackson or any of the other interviews we've done, say with Paul Ruse or Alan Jakovic and a couple of other uh, stars past and present of the Ds. Uh, go to demonland.com and join us. Uh, uh, people are discussing, you know, just because footy season's over, everyone will still be there talking up the Ds well until... Um, you know, through the draft and pre-season. Uh, when does our pre-season commence this year? It'll be a bit later this year. 
Um, yeah. But um, yep, we've always got people going down to uh, to training and uh, having a look and um, giving us you know a bit of an insight of what's happening in the preseason. So uh, yeah, join us then. All right, guys, uh, we're going to end it there. Um, bring out the oh, the music of Come On Demons. So, yeah, guys, go days. Good night. Thank you. Thanks, Dasha. Thanks, Great Viney. Thank you.